Hi, I'm Emily. And I'm Joni. And this is the Grow Where You're At podcast. Where we discuss all things Appalachian and country. Now set yourself on down and learn a thing or two. And maybe laugh a time or two. Now let's hop to it. Good evening. How are you? I am all right, I reckon. How are you? Well, I'm fine and fit as a fiddle. Listening to it pour rain like... Yeah, for the most part. I think it's slacked off a little bit here for now, but yes. Yes. It's been raining pretty good the past few days. Yes, ma'am, but we needed it, that's for sure. We did need it, and hey, it could be snow, but it's rain, so I'll take it. Shoot you. Yeah. I'll take it over at white, ugly white stuff. That's Same. pretty white stuff, but it's painful white stuff. Yes, yes. I like how you put that. It's pretty but painful. <sighs> yes. We got a busy episode, so we want to jump on into our uh, blooming minute. I reckon so. I reckon. I guess I'll just tell you guys. I'm just gonna take a blooming minute and tell you what all I've had going on the past couple of days, and I've just been trying to survive the holidays, and you know, trying to see everybody that's needs to be seen throughout the holidays, and just trying to keep my sanity and. Trying not to panic. We had a little bit of scare the other day. Hanky had to go to the doctor because I was very, very worried about him. And Joni accompanied me on that trip because I was a hot mess. But he is <laughs> on the mend. And he is making a beautiful recovery. So, yeah. And right now I'm fostering a lamb. <laughs> that was born on I- Christmas Day. Which you have dubbed. I have named her poinsettia. <laughs> I thought that was too cute. I may not get to keep her. And if I don't, that's okay too. But the rest of the lambs have floral undertones, shall we say. <laughs> so I was like, fine. I'll just call you poinsettia. And no, she is not red at all. She is black and white like a little Holstein cow. Yes, she's adorable, y'all. But she is adorable and quite mouthy. So, I know I'm at least fostering her for now, so. <sighs> All right, Miss Jamie, yes. do you want to do you t- want to tell us about your blooming minute? Uh, I'm just surviving. <laughs> uh, we've had a little bit of everything going on the same and, you know, um just pretty much doing the same thing, just surviving it and thriving the best we can. And, you know, I'm glad that Hanky is so much feeling better. Like, compared to Friday to now, which it's Tuesday. If y'all don't know, we record a couple days early. Um, But, yeah, like, the difference i seen in him is, like, night and day. 
So yes, for the, on for the Auntie's record, happy. Is... Go ahead, Joni. Auntie's happy that her great nephew is feeling better. Yes, because I was a total hot mess. Like coming to meet you, I was oh, oh, I was a hot mess coming across that mountain. <laughs> yes. <sighs> I kept messaging but, her, and I was asking about Hank, but it was me pretty much just making sure Emily was okay. <laughs> yes. Yes. And she kept calling me and asking me, like, where are you at now? And, like, just, just making sure that I knew that she was on the other side waiting on me to come across the mountain, but she was also on the other end of the phone because I don't have children. My animals are my children. And when one of my animals gets sick, I start start panicking a little bit, especially when it comes to, like, the smaller animals, because I just don't know what to do for him. So, but he is on the uphill mend, he's on the uphill slide, and he is back to his goofy self, and so I couldn't be happier. So, whew. Did you want to tell them what was wrong with Hanky, or? So, Hank went downhill very quickly on Friday. We woke up Friday morning and I thought he'd maybe sprained his one of his front feet. So I gave him an aspirin, which don't give your animals anything unless you have spoke to a vet first. Just like with people. And he just continually got worse and I took him to the vet and upon blood draw and after they looked at him and everything, we come they they told us that he has Lyme's disease and Joni, I can't pronounce that other word. Anaplasmosis. And they are both tick-borne illnesses. And so he is on antibiotics and he is on an anti-inflammatory and he is doing much better. Much, much better. So you guys, if yes. you if you notice anything about your animal being off, don't hesitate to take them. Just go ahead and take them. Get them checked out. Get them taken care of because you don't want them to suffer. And, you know, you just want to make sure you're covering all your bases. But also, let that be a warning to all of you guys because, obviously, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably pretty interested in spending time outdoors. So make sure that you're always checking yourself for ticks anytime you have been outside doing anything, especially during the summer months. And make sure you use some kind of insect repellent. Be that even if it's just rubbing some lemongrass on you or something like that. Just making sure that you guys have covered all your bases and make sure that you are being very mindful that ticks are out and about and they do carry diseases. So just be very cautious. Yes, and the anaplasmosis is very new to our area. So we didn't realize that it was something to be cautious of until that visit and you know hanky since emily has had him has she's never gotten a tick off of that dog but at some point one has bit him and infected him so it has and i mean lyme's disease is fairly rampant in our area and that's just the truth of it but the other word that i can't say and i'm not even going to attempt to butcher it because Anaplasmosis. Yes. And it's fairly new to our area. And whenever he told us what it was, I was like, what in the world is that? <laughs> so, 
Yes. But so, thankfully, Hank, he is feeling better, so. He is feeling better, and we're all just getting by, <laughs> surviving. Yes, ma'am. Because don't What's get our- wrong, we do love our families, but where we're used to doing our own thing, visiting family can sometimes be extremely overwhelming, so. Yes. But that brings us to our... It is stressful. (laughs) It is stressful because you're used to being in, you know, just with whatever is at your household, and then you're around a bunch of other people, and it's like, oh my gosh, I'm stressing out a little bit, but... But does that bring us to our AWOL journey? Yes, ma'am, it does. It's my turn to say it, too, isn't it? I think so. Okay. So, our AWOL of the week is AIL. And A-I-L. Not A-L-E, but AIL. Jody, do you want to tell them what AIL is? Uh, eel? Like, what's ailing you? Or pain in you? Or wrong with you? Or, um... Yeah, that's pretty much the only way to put that, I reckon. <laughs> yes. Like, Hank was ailing the other day. <laughs> or, yeah, ail. But also, that kind of ties us into what we've been talking about the past few weeks, which is home remedies, or herbs that can be used as home remedies. And here's our disclaimer. You guys, we are not medical professionals. So anything we mention on this list and anything that it might help with, we always want you to contact your healthcare professional before using any of these mentioned. Because we are not healthcare professionals and it can interact with your body in some really weird and funky ways. So we don't want you guys to get sick. So always, always, always make sure that you contact your healthcare provider prior to using any of these mentioned below. Whether whether it's in vitamin form that you pick up at your local grocery store or whether you went and picked it yourself. Make sure that you ask your healthcare provider if it is safe to use any of these before taking them. Also, when foraging and gathering wild herbs and stuff like that, Always make sure you have three points of reference. Make sure you are 150% sure that it is exactly what you think it is. Do not guess ever. Um, there are so many plants that have lookalikes, and you can think it's one thing and it actually be another thing, and it will do harm. So, We're going to give you a couple examples of that just so you know that this is not something to be played with. Um, Also, reach out to somebody that you know that does foraging. They are always more than happy to have another set of eyes in in the woods, the fields, wherever with them to help them find that cool herb. Um, If you're not familiar with it, so... Yes, but our- and a lot, and with you and I, you know, 
combined together. We've been doing this for a very long time. But I still, if I have a question about anything, I will send Joni a picture of it and be like, hey, is this what I think it is? And she will go through a series of questions to ask me. Even if I've used an app on my phone, like whatever it is for like a plant identifying app or something like that, I will still ask Joni. And then I will still Google it or whatever your search engine is. And I will still make sure again that it is what I think it is if I have the slightest little bit of question about it. So, yes, because I've been doing this for, mm, I'm going to age myself, but nearly 20 years, I believe. And, you know, I still have questions about some things. And it's not something that you can just master in one weekend or over one podcast. But we are just trying to give you some information that's usable so that if you are further in your foraging journey, you've got it. And if not, and you're just starting out, those are things that you can write down to go look for with your foraging friend or to look up and study on before you go out. Yes. And I think we have a couple of examples we were going to tell you about. Yes. Miss Emily, do you want to give them those examples? Yes, ma'am. And so we're going to give you two examples, one that has a non-toxic lookalike, and then we've got one that has an extremely toxic lookalike. And so we're going to start out with Queen Anne's Lace, or what some people would call chiggerweed. It's also a also wild Also a wild carrot. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so Queen Anne's Lace has a very, very painful and very, very harmful and extremely toxic lookalike, which is the poison hemlock. And to the untrained eye, they look exactly the same. I'm going to show a little bit of my age, too, here. But with, you know, I've been doing this for 15 years, give or take. And Joni, I'll send her a picture of Queen Anne's Lace. And she still will go through the series of questions asking me, before I even pick it or anything like that to make sure it is not the poison hemlock because they look so much alike. And that poison hemlock is, it's brutal. That is not something you want to get into. So now that we've scared you a little bit. (laughs) Yes, because poison hemlock is a central nervous system depressant. It can cause extreme pain. It can cause lethargy. It can cause the, the extent of damage from poison hemlock is not worth even messing with it. Do be careful. It's not worth it. Yes, do be careful. Now, our less scary one would be wood sorrel. And to the untrained eye, wood sorrel would look just like a clover with a yellow bloom on it. Clover is not going to hurt you and wood sorrel is not going to hurt you. As long as you talk to your healthcare provider and you've you know, discuss it with them and you realize that none of these are going to hurt you. You know, wood sorrel and clover do look alike and they are not toxic if you pick a clover instead of a wood sorrel or vice versa. So, but there are many, many lookalikes to many, many things. And so just always make sure you have those three points of reference when, especially when foraging. 
especially if you're new to it. And even if you're not new to it and you've been doing it for a while, it's always good to have somebody double check and an extra set of eyes. Yes, ma'am. Because safety first. Yes. That's one of the key things to anything. Because, you know, we're talking about herbal remedies. We want to do good. There's no no reason in taking chances and doing yourself more harm when you're trying to cure something ails you. Yes. Exactly. But I think that covers our disclaimers and that covers making sure that, you know, stress and safety about it and being safe about things and stuff like that. And so without further ado, are we ready to jump on into some of the herbs that you can forage that have some beneficial properties to them? Uh, you want me to kick things off? Would you kick things off for me, please, ma'am? Yes. Uh, I'm going to go through, I think we should start with some of the common things we find in pretty much every yard. And Okay. We talked about plantain a little bit last episode of Herbal Remedies. But that stuff's everywhere, and it's good for bug bites, and it's good for itches and bee stings and things like that. That's something that's found everywhere. Um, daisies. That, if you're around these parts, they grow wild. <laughs> um, but they're good for stomach upset and respiratory infections. Um, ground ivy or creeping charlie um, is good for your lungs. So if you have asthma, bronchitis, COPD, things like that, you would use ground ivy tea for that. Um, primrose or evening primrose, beautiful little flower that grows wild. It's it good for eczema. I'm sorry, ma'am. And it blooms at dusk? Yes, ma'am. It's got some fruity flowers on it. Um, dead nettle. Not stinging nettle. Stinging nettle's different. Um, if you run across stinging nettle, you'll know it. And the only cure for that is jewelweed or touch-me-nots. But that's a different, that's a different subject <laughs> or a different item. But dead nettle is an antifungal, antibacterial, great for the skin, great for eczema. It grows um, completely abundant around here, especially the red version. Yes, and it kind of has a misleading name. Dead nettle is, like I said, it has kind of a misleading name, but it grows everywhere, like, even at where I work at. And it's a huge complex, and I can still find dead nettle in the middle of town, in the middle of a complex of where I work at. I can still find dead nettle quite abundantly. So, yes. and it's also a natural expectorant, correct? Yes, ma'am. So, it's good if you've yeah. got allergies. Okay. Now, stinging nettle is completely edible, but you have to watch the little stingers. But it's good for UTIs, gout, um, anything like that. But it's a whole different ball game because you have to watch for the stingers. It bites back. <laughs> it does and um, you'll know it you'll know it oh yeah that's why when I find touch me knots or jewel weed 
I will always, always, always pick me some leaves just to have on hand in case I run across stinging nettle. Because they kind of about. go hand in hand. Yes. If will I run across... Yes, you're going to find the other. So you might as well pick you a couple leaves before you get to the stinging nettle. Yes. Let's see. Violets, they grow wild around here. I don't know if they're going wild where you're at, but if you have colds or eczema, wild violets are fantastic for that. They also, um, something that I do with wild violets, because I absolutely love wild violets, is I will responsibly forage and collect the, the bloom on it, and I will soak it in vinegar, and you want to talk about deep best cure for a bee sting and sunburn is that wild violet vinegar. I have had many of people come here and they're almost blistered because they've been out in the sun too long. And I'm like, here, go put this on. And they will tell you, I didn't peel. And after I put it on, it cleared right up. So wild violets. And they're also edible. Yes, they make the best syrup. For like pancakes, you make you some violet syrup. About that flowery burst. Hmm. Yes. Um, chamomile is another one that grows pretty abundantly. It's um, a small white flower. It grows kind of wild around here, so, um, but it is for colic, stress, infections, um, and especially, you've probably heard of chamomile tea um, for relaxation and better sleep. Yes. We've got, um, sorry y'all, I'm trying to read through my list, um, calendula. Another common name for calendula is a pot marigold. You can grow marigolds in a flower container. It's Calendula is a certain type of marigold, but it is antifungal, antiseptic, and great for wound healing as well. Yes. Um, golden seal is a great antiseptic, and it treats diarrhea. Fleabane is good for head colds. It's also a good treatment for your dogs because it is what it says it is. It's fleabane, which means it runs the fleas away. Yes, and in a pinch, in a pinch, it can also help to clot blood on wounds. It's a really good blood clotting agent if used properly. As is horsetail and cattail. The little hot dog or corn dog looking thing that grows around water most of the time. That is a cattail and that is a great gauze in a pinch. I mean, it makes sense too. It's also a really, really good fire starter. The corn dog looking part, not the actual plant, but the corn dog looking part. It's a great fire starter. Yes. Should you um, find yourself in a situation where you need to start a fire? Yes. 
Um, chicory is one of those that we really need to talk about because it's got um, purple flowers on it. It looks really cute, but if you dig up the roots and you can use the root and make um, mountain coffee. Yes. Um, burdock, which a lot of us call them thistles. They're great for your liver. Um, anemia, skin soreness and uh, itching, and there's multiple, multiple things that you can use dock for, but again, that is one of those that you want to be careful with, because it does have lookalikes as well. Yes. Cornflower, or a lot of people call them bachelor buttons. Um, they are a great remedy for pink eye or whatever the big fancy word for it is. Pink eye is what we call it. Mullen. We have to talk about mullen because everybody's in a rage about mullen. Mullen is great for bronchial infection. So if you have a chest cold, respiratory infection, the flower of the mullen plant is what you're wanting. And you can make a mullen tea. And this will throw in something else. Rose of Sharon. Um, which is a member of the hibiscus family. But it grows a lot around here. Everybody's granny's had a Rose of Sharon or two in their yard. But Rose of Sharon is like nature's mucinex. And so when me personally, for me, if I get sick, I am taking flower mullen and Rosa Sharon and petals off of the Rosa Sharon flower and some chamomile and I am making me a tea. Yes. However, Rosa Sharon and hibiscus is one of those things before you take it, especially if you're pregnant or nursing or of child rearing age or child rearing ability. Please, for the love of humanity, contact your doctor before you take any of that. Yes, please. Okay, continue. I just wanted to throw that in there. Like, I love hibiscus tea, but I always want... Well, well I'm debating on the next couple of things. Um, I'm, I am going to throw in dogbane. Dogbane is a contraceptive depending on your outlook on those kind of things, but I will throw that out there. Yes, but always make sure that you contact your healthcare provider and you go through the proper channels before yes. using dog bait. Feverfew. Leaf from the feverfew plant will help with migraines and arthritis. Um... If you have thyroid issues, do not stop taking your medicine, but you can supplement with some seaweed and sea kelp. It is a high source of iodine. So if you're yes. coast if you're on the coast or even if you I've seen it in the grocery store a couple times um, that they have those seaweed wrap things like they use for sushi. Yes. So, 
Um, I was going to cover a couple of flowers and a couple of trees next, Miss Emily, unless you have something you want to add right here. Um, I think we've covered most of like the the most common ones and the most readily and easily accessible foraged ones. So I think we're safe to go ahead um, and move on to, you know, the trees and then on to, you know, the harder to get to, the not as accessible ones. So proceed. Again, okay. you guys, I'm just a backup dancer with my tambourine on this episode. <laughs> oh, no. She, she's the uh, orchestra conductor. That's what I've tried to tell her. Like, none of this would be possible without her. So, she can feel like a tambourine person all she wants, but she's important. If it wasn't for her, <laughs> this would not be happening. And if it wasn't for Joni, it wouldn't be happening either, because we are a team, and we work together as a team. So. Okay, crazy girl. Um, I think I'm going to tell you there's some flowers that you can grow, whether it be in your flower bed, in containers, whatever, that do have medicinal properties. And But I am going to warn those, with, especially with small children and things, this is something that's not necessarily an herbal remedy, but it's something that you do not really think about. But foxgloves are a really popular flower to grow because they are very beautiful. But they are also what they make the heart drug digitalis out of. So if you do have small children and you plant foxgloves, please be very, 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 very careful. Yes. Um, balloon flowers are becoming popular. I, I have balloon flowers. I've been growing for the last few years. The root of the balloon flower is an anti-inflammatory um, it is neuroprotective, antimicrobial, great for allergies. Um, there is actually research into balloon flowers to help with dementia and Alzheimer's. So I do not know if it's actually going to work for those. But, I mean, even just having the root for an anti-inflammatory and an antimicrobial is worth growing a balloon flower for me. Absolutely. Um aloe plants this is one of those that does not grow wild here but you can pretty much find it in any plant nursery grocery store etc but just like granny said you always break you off a piece of that aloe and rub it on burns sunburns uh psoriasis um eczema dry skin um if your hair is dry use you some aloe yes um, verbena flowers are good for sore throat and respiratory tract infections. Let's see. Okay. What trees, Joni, what trees can we use? Oh, magnolia trees. Uh, the bark from those are antioxidant, anti-inflammatory, antimicrobial. Uh, black walnut tree, if you get the walnut husks from the black walnut, and it has to be the black walnut, but the husks are antiparasitic, so if you think you might have worms or something like that, um, 
It's antifungal, antiparasitic, antiviral, antibacterial. You can use the leaves for eczema and warts. So black walnut. Um, you can use ash trees. The um, leaves are good for gout, rheumatism, diuretic. It's a laxative. Um, the bark is good for fever, diarrhea, and bleeding. Um, let me think what else we've got. Birch trees are good for kidney stones, uh, treating colds, heel skin irritations and wounds. It's also an anti-inflammatory. Um, willows. Let me willows are for pain relief and for everything else you can think of. <laughs> um, can't you also make an antiseptic out of hickory nut holes? Yes, ma'am, you can. That's similar to, like, a commercially made iodine solution? Yes, ma'am, you can. Just okay. like pine trees make turpentine. Okay. Um, the You can use pine needles for antimicrobial, like, antibacterial cleaning solution. You can also eat pine needles, and you can eat pine cones. You can eat pine cone jam. That's some good stuff. Sorry. That was kind of out there, but. No, I mean, we're, we're talking about it. Um, you can eat or use rose water, which is, you know, rose petals, soak them, and then you can use that for rashes, acne, rosacea, age spots. And on a good rose bush some of them will produce rose hips and they're really really good for vitamin c um bean tree bark or catalpa tree i think is the way they say it but we call them bean trees you can make a tea out of the bark and use it for a laxative yeah. um the silky dogwood, which is a completely different type of dogwood, but it grows near wetland. Um, the bark is used as an astringent. Um, another thing that's kind of popular around area is ginseng. Mm -hmm. and Or, as the locals call it, it's the sang. <laughs> um it is a tonic and an aphrodisiac, and it is used very popularly in Chinese medicine. But do keep in mind that you shouldn't use it if you have diabetes. Um, it can cause high blood pressure. It can cause uh, tachycardia. You don't want to use it with NSAIDs or estrogens or corticosteroids or blood thinners. And so that's just one of those things that also is saying, hey, be careful if you drink energy drinks that contain ginseng or any of that. So, yes. And a word to the wise with the ones that we're getting into now, um, always make sure that wherever you're foraging at, if it is not at your house or on your property, do not go to national forest and dig this stuff up. 
it is severe it is highly illegal and if you are foraging somewhere make sure you have permission from the landowner okay just make sure you cover your bases you're being considerate to everybody and forage responsibly yes i mean and a lot of these are not very commonly found I understand that just like arnica is not something that grows around here but it's good for arthritis and swelling and for bruising and if you have an older person in your family or if you are on blood thinners and you bruise a lot the best thing I can tell you to do is get you a little bit of arnica oil I mean elderberries is another one that is definitely one of those that highly sought after Yes, but you have to be very careful with elderberry, but it is good for colds and flus and things like that. Also, pokeberry, for some reason, has been coming up a lot. Pokeberry is one of those that you don't really want to mess with unless you know exactly what you're doing. Which is why I don't mess with it. I don't care how many times Joni tells me how to do it, I ain't messing with it. <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Well made. And I we're mean, getting I honestly, a little... Sh I, I, that's honestly my thing is like, I don't care how many times Joni will tell me exactly how to deal with pokeberry. I still leave it standing right exactly where it's at or I chop it down because I ain't messing with that. <laughs> I understand. Um, bee bomb. I forgot bee bomb, y'all. If you get a bee sting, bee bomb, uh, wild bergamot, uh, what's the other name for it? I'm drawing a blank. Oh, booey. And nasturtiums. Nasturtiums grow wild in some places, not here. Uh, but they're good for cough and muscle pain. You can eat them. They taste kind of peppery. But they're also good to plant in your garden as a companion plant because they are good for drawing bugs and insects away from your good stuff. Yes. Do we want to touch on some more of the roots? Um, the only two I have right down is blood root and yellow root, and I'm st still a little fuzzy on those two. I know the difference of them, but what are their properties, Joni? Oh, Lord, girl. Uh, blood root is basically what it says. But we're talking like it's been a long time since I've looked at blood root. Blood root is good for um, bleeding. It's good for intestines. It's good for um, scalp. Yellow root. I do not know about my dear. I will not. I will not feed you on that one. Okay. I just. I remember hearing them talk about it, but blood root and yellow root are really, really old, old, old timey remedies. And for me to be able to tell you about either one of those, I can't. I know blood but root is. Know we also used to call it uh, snake blood. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, because usually when you find it, you're finding like. Somewhere that snakes are very active. Okay. Um, another old-timey one that, you know, people don't think about is wintergreen. 
um, it grows wild around here. Um, like it's also called a snake plant, but it's wild wintergreen. Now that you got me on thinking about old things, and we also have a um, spice bush that has um, like a mountain variety of uh, it's nutmeg on it. Yes, it kind of reminds me of like literally an allspice plant. Yeah, there we go. And I mean, uh, it, it kind of, that's one of those, definitely make sure you're picking what you think you're picking because it has some lookalikes there. So. Yes, ma'am. I mean, and all this is, you know, It, 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 it is what it is. You take it with a grain of salt or you can, you know, look into it a little further. The best thing I can tell you to do is do your research. Um, there are multiple books out there on foraging and herbal remedies and naturopathy and homeopathy and, you know, all those fancy words for doing it yourself at home. Um be sure that you're researching because, you know, even doing it as long as we have, there are still things that trip us up. There are still things that we forget, like yellow root, because my brain is hurting to the point that I've got a eye twitch going because I'm trying to think. <laughs> I was about to say, a prime example of that is the yellow root. I just remember that being something that, you know, when my dad was first teaching me how to forage for some things, he pointed out yellow root, but... I don't know that he ever told me what it was for. I just remember that was something his grandmother used and foraged. And so he just kind of passed on a plant identification to me. But I can't remember what he told me it was used for. So, prime example, I need to do some research on some yellow root because I don't remember what it's used for. Same. Because my, my head's going through all, all the years of stored information and and for some reason i landed on uh saponins which is you know what you make soap out of the roots but i'm like <laughs> that's not right <laughs> i don't think that's right <laughs> right oh but yeah like like we're saying you know please do your research join a foraging buddy um there are many apps out there, but never rely just on an app on your phone. Um, yeah. You want to double check, triple check, quadruple check until you're 150% sure that's what it is. Yes. But that's about all the time we have this week. And I mean... I hope that you've learned a little bit of something. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, anything we forgot, anything you want to add, if you want to teach us something, if you know what Yellow Root's for, leave us a comment. Shoot us a message here or on our Facebook page, Grow Where You're At. Yes, absolutely. And always, always, always make sure you know what you're doing and talk to your healthcare provider before using any of the above-mentioned Flowers, roots, barks, anything like that. Just make sure you've contacted your healthcare provider. And if you are foraging somewhere, make sure you're foraging responsibly and make sure you 
or have permission from the landowner or whatever it is that you need just to make sure that you are being the best forager there is all the way around. Not just at plant identification and harvesting, but responsible harvesting and courtesy to wherever you may forage. Also, beware that if you are going to go foraging in your backyard and your husband just went out and sprayed weeds in the yard with some high-powered chemical, don't go foraging there. Because <laughs> that's going to be in whatever you're foraging. So yeah. you're wanting to do it without somewhere that's been sprayed with pesticides or herbicides or something like that. Exactly. <sighs> so that winds us into our growing minute, Miss Emily. It does wind us into our growing minute. I think my growing what? minute is... I think I'm just going to try to try to make it through the two whole days I have to work this week. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm just going to make it through. And nursing a baby lamb. Yes, I'm going to take care of that baby lamb and make sure that I make my dogs get all the medication he's supposed to take. And I'm just going to just going to grow, grow right on through the week. Miss Joni, do you have a growing minute? Um, I am going to try to finish my rag rug. And Which is beautiful, by the way. Thank you, my dear. I am working on it. I'm going to try to get it finished this week. I think that is my goal. But other than that, I think that is all I'm going to do. <laughs> awesome. What are, what are we talking about next week, Miss Emily? I think we are going to talk about, um, we're going to shift gears a little bit, and we're going to start talking about budget meals and or meal prep. You know, there's some tips and tricks that we do or use in order to make sure either our weeks flow smoothly or we're making the most out of what we have. We're getting the biggest bang for our buck. That's what we're going to be talking about. Oh, yeah. I'm looking forward to this. I, am I always look forward to these, though. <laughs> I do, too. Because we only talk about things we like, I think. And, I mean, that's what makes this so fun for us, and hopefully fun for listeners, but we only talk about things we like to do. Yes, and we, we get to share our interests, and we're making record of our interests, but we're also, you know, making sure somebody else has access to it. In a way that we hope is fun and easy to understand. And we don't use big words and things like that. But I hope it's very hey, fun. We used, a fan we used a fancy one earlier. Anaplasmosis. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we did use a fancy word earlier. So. <sighs> anyway. I think that wraps us up. As always, please remember to grow where you're at. Bye! Thanks for joining us today. It's real and it's raw. Now go forth and be barefoot and feral. And most importantly, remember to grow where you're at. Bye.